When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. And welcome back to another episode of the Pensburg Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Fahanna, and as always, alongside me is fellow Pensburg writer, Robbie Noggle. Uh, Robbie, the common phrase is absence makes the heart grow fonder. Uh, due to some unexpected absences last week between the both of us and some unforeseen scheduling conflicts, we skipped out on last week's episode, but fast forward seven days to now back in our regular routine. And uh, not a moment too soon, if you ask me, Robbie, there there never seems to be enough Pittsburgh Penguins news to go around. And over the last, I don't know, 48 to 72 hours, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins have been making headlines both on and off the ice. So, uh, Robbie, uh, how, how have you been since uh, the last time we talked? And are you ready to dive into all of this crazy Penguins news? Pretty good uh, on my end here. I uh, hope everything's good with everybody out there listening and tuning in to this week's episode. Sorry about last week, like Garrett said. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just too bad we didn't have a uh, some better on ice uh, results to talk about. We got to kind of jump in, uh, start this off with some um, overall uh, not great performances from the Penguins on the ice. But uh, we'll turn that around. We have some other stuff to talk about as well. And uh, we will get to the on ice performances momentarily as we always do we'll start this week's episode by looking back at some of the more recent games the penguins have played and we'll start with a performance against the red hot florida panthers from november 11th 
a game in which the Penguins won, which you can't say that pretty frequently over the last stretch of games. The Penguins do win this game against the Panthers, albeit in the shootout, and that was notable for a number of reasons, as we'll get to that uh, as we progress through this recap segment here. Like I said, the Penguins win this contest by a score of 3-2 to two in the shootout over the Panthers. Their record improves to 5-3-4. and four. Teddy Bluger gets the scoring going here, his third goal of the season at the 13-37 mark of the first period. Pittsburgh out to a 1-0 lead. However, Frank Vitrano gets his third goal of the season for the Florida Panthers at the 16-55 mark of the first period. Everything is even as we head into the first intermission. In the second period now, at the 1753 mark of the second period, Evan Rodriguez, the team leader in goals, uh, I believe it's either goals or points. I want to say it's the team's leading goal scorer. Evan Rodriguez gets his fourth goal of the season to give Pittsburgh a one-goal lead again. This time, Pittsburgh heads into the second intermission out 2-1 to one over the Panthers. Uh, and in the third period, one of the star players for the Florida Panthers, Alex Barkov, gets his ninth goal of the season, ties the game at the 2.30 mark of the third period, and that would be all of the goal scoring you would see for the remainder of regulation and into the overtime period. Both teams would need the shootout to settle their differences. Who would get the extra point? Pittsburgh started off the shootout with Jake Gensel. The result was no goal for the Penguins. Alex Barkov goes first for the Panthers. His shot is saved. Chris Letang goes second for the Pittsburgh Penguins. His shot is saved as well. Jonathan Huberdeau gets the first goal in the shootout for the Panthers. Then Brian Rust answers as the fifth shooter, and the shootout is square at one goal apiece. Patrick Hornquist, former Penguin, making his return to PPG Paints Arena on this night. His shot was denied. Jeff Carter gets a goal for the Penguins. Pittsburgh takes a 2-1 to lead in the shootout. And Tristan Jari makes the final save on Anton Lindell. And like I said, at the start, Pittsburgh gets the win in the shootout. Robbie, this game was uh, had carried a little bit more significance, I think, out of all of the players here for Tristan Jari, the goaltender, getting the win on this night, uh, stopping 36, 36 saves on 38 shots, for good for a 947 save percentage. And his game had been talked about in recent days because of all of the overtime and shootout games that the Penguins had gone to. And uh, his game had been criticized, especially in the shootouts. He had not been a very good goaltender in the shootouts and uh, finally gets to silence some of his critics here with a very impressive shootout win over a very good Florida Panthers team. So, Robbie, I'll hand it over to you. What were some of your thoughts and what did you like or maybe dislike from the Penguins' November 11th game against the Florida Panthers? This had to be such a relief for Tristan Jari to the point where it felt like you could literally see the weight coming off his chest uh, with his celebration uh, after winning that that shootout. Um, not that you wanted to go to a shootout, but um, it just felt has to feel so good for him after not just struggling, being outright abysmal uh, for a large chunk of the season uh, so far in the shootout. Just even when they had an advantage, he couldn't seem to get the save that uh, made the difference, and he was just getting. Uh, dominated in the shootout and you don't see I mean there's goalies that aren't great at the shootout but he looked maybe as bad as I had seen since the shootout came into the NHL uh, after the canceled season back in 2004-2005 he's just looked all out of sorts when he gets a one-on-one chance 
in in those opportunities. But uh, that game, he just he came up with a big a couple big saves after the Penguins were down. Um, uh, Russ got the tying goal in the shootout, and then uh, Jeff Carter undressed Sergey Bobrovsky in the extra uh, the extra round uh, to uh, give the Penguins the advantage, which Jari eventually sealed with a save on the next shooter. So. Just getting some of that confidence back for Jari. Not that it matters come playoff time because any, the shootout goes. It's just a regular season thing. But I mean, at, the Penguins are in a position where that extra point, should they go to overtime or shootout, could be very important uh, through these next coming months here. So, getting that little mojo back for him in that shootout was uh, very nice to see. And it's very. I mean, the the Panthers are very good. So getting a win against a team like that. Uh, is is always a bonus as well. So after losing a game to uh, in a shootout just two nights earlier, and uh, well, losing a shootout uh, a game before that as well against the 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 um the Wild, coming off two straight shootout losses, uh, getting back in the win column and getting some of that confidence back for Jari, uh, it was just nice to see. So the celebrations uh, occurred in that victory over the Panthers. Fast forward two nights later, the Penguins would take on the Ottawa Senators. And uh, boy, Robbie, the Penguins were really, you could say they were in this game for a short stretch of time during the the third period. But really, if you want to be blunt, you could say that the Penguins were never really in this game as Ottawa scores the first four goals and all four of their goals coming in the second period of play. Ottawa wins this. Ottawa would win this game by a score of six to three. And let's go through the goal scorers here. Zach Sanford gets his second goal of the season to put Ottawa on the board first in the second period at the 5:21 mark. Michael Delzato gets his first goal of the season on the power play at the 10:40 mark of the second. Ottawa out two nothing now. Parker Kelly gets his first goal of the season. Ottawa out to a three nothing lead. Tim Stutzel, uh, the prized prospect of the Ottawa Senators, gets his first goal of the season on the power play. Ottawa now out to a 4-0 lead. Heading into the third period now, Ottawa gets its fifth goal thanks to Drake Batherson's sixth goal of the season. And at this point, at the 940 mark of the third period, really this, this game was not going to be won by the Penguins, but it was good to see that they did not really uh, give in and, and skate back with their tails between their legs as they did try to mount some sort of a comeback here. Casperi Kapanen gets on, gets the Penguins on the board, uh, cuts the deficit to Ottawa five, Pittsburgh one. Evan Rodriguez gets his fifth goal of the season to make it Ottawa five, Pittsburgh two. Evan Rodriguez would follow that up with his sixth goal of the season to make it Ottawa five, Pittsburgh three at the 1557 mark of the third period. And then you start to think to yourself, well, they've scored three quick goals. Bam, bam, bam. Don't give up hope just yet. However, at the 1911 mark, uh, this would be an empty netter. Another goal for Batherson, his seventh goal of the season. To put a bow on this, uh, like I said, Ottawa wins this by a score of 6-3. to three. Pittsburgh goes 0-4 on the power play on this night, even with 31 shots on goal. Uh, Robbie, this has kind of been kind of been, and we'll get to this uh, in the main segment here, this has kind of been the tale of the Penguin season so far. Uh, they drop a very winnable game to an Ottawa Senators team that had been severely impacted by uh, COVID and other injuries. And you think even with the Penguins' struggles, their own struggles with COVID 
and injuries and all of this lineup shuffling. I had went into this game thinking that this is probably a game that you, you don't want to say any game is an easy game or a winnable game in in uh, in the NHL, but Casey DeSmith did not give the Penguins a chance on this night, making 18 saves on 23 shots for a, a uh, abysmal uh, 783 save percentage, really just uh, just an awful performance by Casey DeSmith. Uh, you like to see that little bit of fire and that little bit of spirit as they tried to mount that comeback in the third period, but really anybody could have looked at that scoreline in the third period and thought this game was well over. So I'll hand it over to you, Robbie. What were your thoughts from the November 13th game against the Ottawa Senators? This was one of, if not the worst decisions you're, or games you're going to see the Penguins play maybe all season. It just wasn't there. Uh, not that we'll talk about it in a second. The next night was any better, but they just looked all out of sorts. The power play was, as it has been all season, just not good, not clicking. Still something missing there. And it just, it's just one of those games. It's just frustrating to watch. Um, they didn't look particularly interested uh, during the game, and then when they got down, it just kind of all spiraled from there. They were able to get claw some back in the third period, but it was way uh, too little, way too late, and it just, it, it just, it's, it's tough to see like that. And it just, it seems like something is missing from this team, and you saw it over the course of these last few games, which we'll talk a little more in depth as we go along here. It's just very, very odd. And this was just kind of the beginning of what has turned into, or this is just like the continuation of what has been a, a struggle for the Penguins after that decent start with a bunch of guys out of the lineup. So fast forward, 24 hours later, the Penguins round out a back-to-back set, this time against the divisional foes of Alex Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals. And uh, Pittsburgh lets up six goals against the Ottawa Senators. Well, unfortunately, they let up six more goals and another drubbing against the divisional foes in the Capitals. Pittsburgh loses this game by a score of six to one. Martin Fivery gets his second goal of the season, a shorthanded goal of all things to kickstart Washington's lead here. Washington out one to nothing over the Penguins at the 425 mark of the first period. Garnett Hathaway gets his third goal of the season, the second for Washington on this night at the 1405 mark of the first period. Before both teams head into the locker rooms for the first intermission, however, Jake Gensel would get his fourth goal of the season, and he would half the deficit for the Penguins as they go into the locker room down just only by a goal. Uh, Washington still out to a two to one lead over the Penguins heading into the first intermission. And as we go into the second period, we have a couple of former Penguins leaving their mark on their former team. Daniel Sprong gets his third goal of the season at the 16-11 mark of the second period. That's followed up by Connor Sherry getting his third goal of the season at the 18-36 mark of the second period. And by that point, uh, the game was pretty much out of reach for the Penguins going to the third period now. Evgeny Kuznetsov gets his sixth goal of the campaign at the 4:43 mark, makes it a 5-1 Washington lead, and everyone's favorite forward Tom Wilson gets his fourth goal of the season on the power play. Washington is out to a 6-1 to lead by the 9:35 mark of the third period. That was all the scoring you would see for the rest of the game. Pittsburgh loses this game. Their record falls to 5-5-4. Five, five, and four. 
Well, Robbie, I don't know how much you could have said from the the, the, the previous night's contest against the, the Senators, how much that applies to this game against the Capitals. The Penguins do let six more goals into their own net, and they they lose a, a an always heated contest against the Capitals. But Pittsburgh, again, 0-2 on the power play, uh, really Outside of Jake Gensel's goal at the end of the first period, there really wasn't a whole heck of a lot of positives to take away from this game, in my opinion, at least. Uh, I'll hand it over to you, Robbie. Were there any bright spots you saw from this game between the Penguins and Capitals from November 14th? After the game the night before in Ottawa, you kind of just came into this game thinking this is not going to go well for the Penguins. And if you had that feeling like I did, turns out we were correct. It was, I mean, it just, you kind of felt it coming in that it wasn't going to be a good night for the Penguins, and it wasn't. Uh, Washington dominated. The Penguins looked extremely disinterested, just wanted to get home. Uh, bad vibes coming off the night before in Ottawa, and it just continued over uh, into this game against Washington, a team you hate to lose to, a team that in the division you don't really want to lose to, and they did so in a very humiliating fashion, 6-1 down in D.C. Just, again, same thing as the night before. I mean, if the power play over four against Ottawa was bad enough, wasn't bad enough, a, another bad showing and giving up a shorthanded goal, which kind of just spun things out of control. Um, even with the Jake Gensel equalizer, it just it never felt right. It never looked right. And the result was well-deserved after the performance they put in. Uh, it didn't really matter what goalie was in net uh, last weekend. It was uh, no good uh, from either guy, and they have to be better uh, going forward. But uh, the whole team has to be better. They did get some reinforcements in this game coming off COVID, uh, coming out of COVID protocols. Sidney Crosby, Brian Dumoulin, Patterson, Ruedel, Mike Sullivan was cleared. So, I, I mean, the reinforcements are there. Just at some point, you got to hope that the results. Uh, start showing up as well, and they certainly did not in Washington. So the last game we'll touch on in this recap segment comes from November 16th, a game against the uh, equally struggling Buffalo Sabres after the Sabres' hot start to begin the season. They've kind of fallen back down to earth a little bit. Uh, really, Robbie, this game was dominated by one person and one person only, Dustin Tokarski, the goaltender for the Buffalo Sabres, making 45 saves on 46 shots. And uh, he was probably everybody's first star of the game here as Buffalo takes this game by a score of uh, two to one. Colin Miller gets his second goal of the season uh, at uh, 28 seconds into the second period. Buffalo out to a one nothing lead. Kyle Ocposo would get his fourth goal of the season to give Buffalo a two goal advantage over the Penguins. Both of those goals coming in the second period and in the third period, Jake Gensel would get his fifth goal of the season on the power play. So that is a positive. The power play on this night goes one for four. Thanks to Jake Gensel's marker with the man advantage at the 5:59 mark of the third period. And Pittsburgh had the rest of that third period to try and find an equalizer and to try and find a tying goal, but they really could not get anything past Dustin Tokarski as he stonewalls the Penguins on this night. Like I said, 45 saves on 46 shots. Good for a 970, 978 save percentage here. Uh, this was Dustin Tokarski's night, Robbie. There's really no other way to put it. Uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, 
bad mouth or or demean or degrade Dustin Tokarski's performance, but uh, you'd like to think Dustin Tokarski is, is, to put it kindly, he is not Andre Vasilevsky or Carey Price. However, on this night, he he sure played like he was one of those elite netminders of this generation. Uh, Pittsburgh falls to five, six, and four, where they currently stand as we record this, Robbie. Uh, this was another game that I felt the Penguins should have won uh, against a, a very uninspired, very uninspiring Buffalo Sabres team. Really, after the Jack Eichel saga came to a conclusion, Eichel now departs Buffalo for the, the Vegas Golden Knights. What are the Buffalo Sabres playing for this season? They're really not playing for anything. They're probably just playing for a, a lottery pick at this point as they try to kickstart another rebuild in uh, in Buffalo. So to, to lose this contest to the Sabres, it left a really sour taste in my mouth, Robbie. That's how I'll conclude with this. I'll hand it over to you. What do you have to make from the Penguins' defeat at the hands of the Buffalo Sabres from November 16th? Yeah, for as much or for as bad as the Penguins looked on the the weekend, you can't really say the same about uh, how they looked on Tuesday night against the Sabres. Unfortunately, the result was the exact same, uh, a tighter game, but still a loss. And Dustin Tokarski, I mean, deserves pretty much all the credit for how that game played out. He was phenomenal, uh, over 40 saves, just the one goal, and it was on the power play. So he was he threw a shutout at even strength and. Yeah, he was just on his game. And sometimes, I mean, you're going to have games like that. And unfortunately, the Penguins were on the the wrong end of one of those games on Tuesday night. And you just hope that the Penguins here soon get a game where uh, Tristan Jari or Casey Smith play like Dustin Tokarski and maybe steal uh, two points from a team that deserves it more. But, I mean, you have to be promised. You have to be happy with how the Penguins played. It's just the results, again, weren't there. Hopefully once the, the finishing kind of evens out and everything regresses to the mean a little bit, uh, more of those games start falling the Penguins' way and they get back into the win column uh, sooner rather than later. So let's let's move into our main segments this week. We have a couple of main topics to talk about. Uh, we'll start with this. We'll start with the on-ice performance, and we'll start with the massive slump that the Penguins are going through right now. Uh, the, the Penguins are 2-6-2 two, and two in their last 10 games played. As I mentioned, they currently sit at 5-6-4, and four, and at last check, they are sitting at 7th in the Metropolitan Division, only in front of the New York Islanders of all teams, I believe. And uh, look, Robbie, let's, let's not sugarcoat things. There has been massive lineup shuffling since the start of the season due to uh, injuries and covid but look, we're heading towards Thanksgiving, which has historically been a pretty decent barometer of the telling of the good teams and the bad teams in the NHL and their playoff chances as a result. And I'm not here to say that by Thanksgiving, the, the Penguins' fortunes will be decided, but at, at five, six, and four on this roller coaster ride that they've been on so far, is this what you think the Penguins are this year? Are, are they... Is this as good as we're going to see them play? Look, the, we know they'll be without Evgeny Malkin until probably after the new year, I would imagine, until as he continues to rehab from his injury. But between shoddy goaltending and, and not enough quality performances you're getting from your forwards, uh, these points or losses of points are starting to add up. And like I said, I'm not here to write off the Penguins at this point as we inch towards Thanksgiving. 
But Robbie, uh, do you realistically see the Penguins going on a classic uh, March of the Penguins tear like we've seen in years past? Or have you come to accept that this year might just not might be the Penguins year and, and maybe we maybe we start to look forward to next year as that hasn't been something we've said a lot over the last 15 to 16 years looking forward to next year. But I think at this point we have to start having at least preliminary conversations because the Penguins haven't been able to go on a, a massive run. They haven't convinced me based on what's happened so far that this is a team ready to turn the corner in any major facet of their game. So, Robbie, I'll hand it over to you. What, When you look at the Penguins right now, do you think this is it? Do you think they've reached their ceiling? Or are we? Or is, is something missing? And do you think they're ready to turn a corner as we head towards the holiday season? It's so hard to get a, a uh, grip on or an idea of what the Penguins are at this point because there's been so much line shuffling. It, they, don't ha- they haven't had – I know what – yeah, even taking out the Malkin situation – they haven't really had a full lineup at all this year at this point. And the fact that they have 14 points maybe is a bit of a miracle the way that everything has been going down with them. They've been without a coach for a period of time. They've been out without their captain for most of the season. Jeff Carter has been out with COVID. Half their defense has been beaten up by COVID as well. So uh, you just kind of, it's just so hard to say what the Penguins are. And if this is a ceiling, if this is just not their year, um, because on paper, I think they're better than what they've seen in the past couple weeks. I, the underlying numbers show that they're better than what the results have been. So hopefully that uh, levels out here in the coming, uh, the coming weeks and through the holiday and they can kind of bounce back and start climbing back up the standings. But until I see this Penguins team with a mostly healthy roster for more than just one or two games here or there, I almost have to reserve my overall thoughts on them because we just don't know. And until we see that, it's going to be very hard to determine what this team is because we know that Mike Sullivan is still a great coach. We know what his system can do. We know they still have talent. But until they get some time on the ice together, I have to kind of reserve my full judgment because it's not really fair to them or to – any of the listeners or fans uh, to give a bottom line on what this team is or whether they've reached the ceiling or not, because we truly just haven't seen them all on the ice together with enough time to actually develop any kind of chemistry. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I don't know if, if glass half full is the kind of approach that you've taken, but 
like I said, I I don't want to I don't want to come to some full stop conclusion, and I won't. And like you said, maybe it's best to reserve judgment for at least a couple more weeks until we get a clearer picture. And that's obviously what we're going to do, and we're we're going to see over the the next couple of weeks as we get towards Thanksgiving and head towards Christmas what what the penguins really are on the ice and uh, so that's de- we're definitely something we're going to be interested in keeping an eye on seeing how what what kind of uh, performances we can get from a lineup that like you said Robbie hasn't really had a ton of time to mesh or gel together so we'll watch that on the ice and flipping the switch here and talking about some stuff happening off the ice and Robbie, what's happening off the ice is maybe a potential ownership change. And that's coming from the Boston-based Fenway Sports Group. If you're not familiar with the Fenway Sports Group, uh, they own uh, sports franchises such as, among other properties, uh, the Boston Red Sox and Liverpool Football Club of the uh, English Premier League. This Fenway Sports Group is in advanced talks to buy the Penguins from the Mario Lemieux and Ron Burkle ownership group. And since this news broke a couple of days ago, uh, it has been reported that Lemieux will stay on in a smaller minority ownership capacity. So I know a lot of people were interested or maybe worried to see what was going to happen with Mario Lemieux's uh, his involvement with the Penguins. Would he just completely wipe his hands clean of the Penguins. That does not appear to be the case. It looks like Lemieux will still be involved with the Penguins' operations in some form or fashion. And other top-level executives, such as CEO David Morehouse, COO Kevin Acklin, GM Ron Hextall, and Mike Sullivan look to be safe for now. That's according to an article from KDKA. And so the Fenway Sports Group, Robbie, approached the Penguins about the sale, and this isn't the first time the Penguins have come up in potential uh, potential ownership changes or ownership swaps. Uh, I think one of the mo- more recent uh, times something like this has come about, I think, goes back to 2016. There were some rumblings about a deal that uh, obviously did not reach the finish line at that point, but... Uh, this Fenway Sports Group is impressed with the Penguins, both both on the ice and impressed with their fan base and the success off the ice. So I think another concern that fans have had is, well, if this if this ownership group comes in, does that mean the Penguins are going to relocate to a place like Kansas City or uh, or somewhere else in Canada? And I know that brings up some pretty scary thoughts and memories for those that lived during those potential relocation times uh, 15 to 20 years ago when they, the, when the Penguins were trying to get a new arena built in Pittsburgh. Obviously, the Penguins are still here in Pittsburgh, and uh, now we, we have some potentially new owners to look to, look at the top and, and talk about here. Robbie, with this new ownership group apparently ready to take the reins over from Ron Burkle, and Mario Lemieux, do you see this sale of the Penguins as a good thing for the future of the franchise? And speaking of the future of the Penguins, does this sale potentially accelerate the rebuild, or as some others would put it, the post-Crosby-Malkin era of Penguins hockey? Yeah, it's very interesting, and it was. I think it definitely came as a shock to literally about everyone uh, when the news dropped on 
I believe it was Tuesday that this was potentially happening and looking more likely it's going to happen than not. Yeah, it's not surprising. I think when you look at the numbers, what Mario and Ron Burkle originally bought the Penguins for, and now they're worth almost $1 billion. So it's like a nine or 10 time, 10 times more than what they paid for them originally. So uh, for a guy like Burkle, uh, he got his money, he can get his money and get out and, uh, for Mario, he still would have a role within the team while still uh, probably cashing out to quite an extent uh, while still being around the team. I don't really think Mario was ever going to go away. I think I can't remember exactly what all the details were being discussed back in 2016, 2017, when these uh, rumors originally started to surface. But it's not really surprising given the market. Uh, they, I mean, you know you're coming to the end of uh, the the uh, Crosby-Malkin era, uh, the value has never been higher and may never get higher, though I don't think the Fenway group would be interested if they didn't think there was a way to make money off the Penguins to increase their value even more. Uh, it will be interesting to see in a post-COVID world how values go up or down uh, in the coming years when we see the full extent of uh, the damage from no fans and other stuff like that as related to the pandemic. So there's definitely, there's going to be a new TV deal to, uh, to negotiate for local TV. They all, the NHL obviously just negotiated a deal with ESPN and TNT for the national package, which teams get a, a cut of. Uh, and a, as the years go on, those prices are probably only going to go up as well, adding value. Uh, even if the Penguins do struggle in the coming years, once Crosby and Malkin are gone, what people have to realize is even when the team was bad back in the early 2000s, the gate numbers weren't great, but one, the team, there was so much uncertainty about the team's future. That will not be a factor in this next, this next rebuild. Uh, the TV numbers are still high. They are still a very profitable market uh, for hockey. So it's, it's a very interesting timing of everything. I think a lot of people pointed to the uh, uh, lawsuit settlement uh, involving former Penguins uh, or um, minor league coach Donatelli. Uh, I don't think that had anything to do with it um, from what uh, most reports say. It's more or less just the Penguins. This is something that's been in the work for months. Uh, this isn't something that they just like woke up last week and decided, oh, we're going to sell the team. These transactions involve months of negotiations. Um, again, and the Fenway Sports Group is going to be a name that maybe some people are familiar with. You're obviously familiar with the Boston Red Sox, who they own, who have won a World Series under their uh, uh, since they've since they've owned them. Uh, Liverpool FC, they infused or they dumped a bunch of money into uh, Liverpool and won a Premier League title and a Champions League title. Uh, they have some of the best players in the world. They have one of the top coaches in the world. So they're not they're a group that is not afraid to spend money uh, if but it sounds like they're going to let the old regime pretty much still in place. So how that works out, we will wait and see. But uh, based on what we've seen from the Red Sox and Liverpool, it's they're not a group that's afraid to spend money. Maybe they take some cuts here and there, but they're not going to be a team that or a ownership group that's necessarily uh tightening the purse strings uh, at any chance they get.
Overall, Robbie, I, I share a lot of the same thoughts and feelings towards this ownership change or potential ownership change as you do. Uh, I say potential because as we record on this Thursday evening, the sale is not official just yet. However, all signs are pointing to this sale becoming official in just a short matter of time. This is obviously a major story that we're going to continue to monitor over at Pensburg.com to get all the latest news and updates uh, on the potential future sale of the Penguins. Again, head over to Pensburg.com. We have a, a ton of content we've turned out this week alone talking about all sorts of different angles that this potential sale has come from. So get all the latest news and updates over at pensburg.com. Robbie, we're going to switch gears now into our weekly mailbag segment. If you're a first-time listener finding this podcast for the first time or you're a long-time listener and you're interested in participating in this weekly mailbag segment, you can do so by following our Pensburg podcast Twitter account. Every week, we will send out a mailbag tweet asking for your participation and your questions uh, as, as they pertain to the Penguins and their season and their play. And we love getting all sorts of responses from all of our listeners here. So, Robbie, as always, you'll get first crack at the mailbag segment. A short mailbag this week, only two questions Last I looked, the first question coming from Penshen. And Penshen wants to know, what percentage do you think mental outlook, or in this case, maybe mental problems, can affect a, a player's overall performance? I think it can take a a great toll on them, especially now that we you have Robin Leonard, who's came out and talked about his struggles with mental health, a lot of focus on mental health. Uh, in the last few years and the importance of taking care of that. And I definitely uh, think that uh, it can be a big issue, whether it's legit mental health concerns like anxiety, depression, just very serious mental health issues, or sometimes you get guys who get mental problems like uh, a sports term, the the yips. You hear that common in golf, um, gripping the stick too tight. Uh, stuff like that where they can't they just it's just like a block that they just once they get over that hump everything starts coming to them a little bit easier uh, they just kind of lose their game for a little bit so I definitely um, and I, I will say this as someone who has gone through mental health issues in the past year dealing with anxiety that it can be very tough to function uh, on a normal day-to-day basis uh, when you're battling stuff like that so to me, it's no surprise if these guys go through that kind of stuff and it affects their play and overall performance because uh, it's very hard to deal with. It drains you. It just your attention's not there. And whether these guys are dealing with just standard everyday things like just everyday stressors or they're just going through a slump, um, they're not all there. There's something going on at home. Their kids are sick. Whatever the case is, especially the past few years, the past almost two years now dealing with the pandemic and all the uh, restrictions and guidelines they've had to they've had to deal with not being able to do this, not being able to do that. The bubble uh, playoffs uh, in 2020. Just going through all that and it's it's very important for these guys to kind of keep a clear mind and to kind of put one day at a time and if they can't if they're struggling with mental issues related to their game 
all that's going to take into effect and be ne- or be a detriment to their play on the ice. It's just human nature. That's just how we function. And uh, once they can work through that, if they can do that in a healthy way, um, they can they can get back to performing at a high level. It's very difficult. And so, yeah, I absolutely believe that it has an effect on a player's overall performance. And I'd say that percentage-wise, it's probably a bigger percentage than what you believe because if a guy's fully healthy but the, he's not working right upstairs, it, you're not really fully healthy. So it, it's, it's just an invisible injury, basically, uh, from my perspective. So it takes it's a huge toll on the players. It's a whole huge toll on their performance. And it, that stuff that you don't see is can be detrimental to, to the way a guy performs on the ice. Uh, question number two comes from Brian. This one's for Garrett. Uh, in relation to the propo- or pending ownership change, uh, one thing that we didn't mention in the original discussion that a member of the Fenway Sports Group is LeBron James. Uh, obviously, you probably heard that name. Plays for the LA Lakers. Uh, decent basketball player. Um, and the question is, you think LeBron will lace up skates and play powered for power forward for us? Well, Brian's question obviously comes in, in, in a joking manner. Uh, looking at LeBron's height and weight, Robbie, could you imagine uh, a Zdeno Chara-esque six foot nine, two hundred fifty pound power forward coming at you? Uh, that would be that would be a sight to see. Yeah. Um, so while I don't think LeBron's going to be lacing the skates any uh, anytime soon, uh, it is an interesting thing to think about, Robbie, as you mentioned. Uh, uh, with LeBron's involvement in Fenway Sports Group, uh, he does have he now has ownership in Liverpool, the Red Sox, and uh, regional sports network NESN. Uh, I think there's also a Fenway Racing Group in there as well. There, yeah. there's a there's a really actually strong possibility now if, if this deal goes through that LeBron James could in theory become part owner of the Pittsburgh Penguins. So while I don't think he's going to step on the ice and, and play a game, uh, having a guy like LeBron, uh, who is a, a world renowned athlete, megastar, whatever you want to call him, having him be affiliated with the Penguins in some form or fashion, obviously growing up in Akron, Ohio, not, not that far away from Pittsburgh, as a matter of fact. So uh, it, it's just an interesting little nugget seeing uh, how LeBron's involvement in FSG comes and now the, the Penguins colliding with Fenway Sports Group. Uh, it, it's certainly an interesting nugget seeing how the Akron native uh, could have future ties to this hockey club. So uh, he's not hitting the ice, but I think it's an interesting little piece of, of information, nonetheless, seeing how LeBron James dips his toes into yet a, a, another uh, sports franchise, and uh, he can uh, can lay claim to the fact that uh, he, he can own parts of the Red Sox, Liverpool, the Penguins, uh, just about, really, he can touch anything he wants to, Robbie. He's that, he has that... A kind of money. So good, good for LeBron, but he won't be hitting the ice anytime soon, Robbie. But like I said, we only had two questions this week. Uh, that'll wrap up the mailbag segment and, uh, that that'll wrap up this week's Pennsburg podcast. So, uh, Robbie, after taking a week off, we come back, we talk about this ownership change and the slump that the penguins are in. And, uh, as I said, we're getting towards Thanksgiving and, and Christmas and hopefully 
Now we're heading into the meat and potatoes of the NHL schedule. So uh, we're, we're going to have lots of coverage again, like I mentioned, at pensburg.com. And uh, we'll have lots of coverage here for you, the wonderful listeners of the Pensburg podcast. So for Robbie Noggle, I have been Garrett Bahanna. Again, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Pensburg podcast. And we will talk to you guys next week.